0: Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Wren Robbins, and I'm excited that you're here. This is the place where you will feel encouraged as I share with you my friends' God stories. Whether you are on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or taking me along with you on your walk, I pray that you will feel seen by God and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Let's jump in! Here at the Friends of a Feather podcast, we are so excited to tell you all about a great new resource we found, Kaleidoscope Kids Bibles. Until now, there was very little to help bridge the gap between storybook Bibles and adult translations, which are written at a high school level or higher. Kaleidoscope is a new kids Bible company that is changing that. They retail every book of the Bible in beautifully designed single volumes with elementary-aged kids in mind. They are a company you can trust to help your children fall in love with the Bible. Check them out today at ReadKaleidoscope.com. That's R-E-A-D-K-A-L-E-I-D-O-S-C-O-P-E dot com. This month, they are releasing two new volumes, Sound the Alarm, Joel, Amos, and Jonah, by none other than the hilariously funny Caroline Saunders, and Over the River, The Story of Joshua, by Chris Ammon. Friends, you can use the discount code FEATHER to take 15% off your order today. That's 15% off using the discount code FEATHER. You can find them on Instagram at reed.kaleidoscope to learn more. Kaleidoscope, the new kid in kids' Bibles. Well, welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast, Jenna. Hi. I'm so excited to have you on. And you were on the other side of the mic tonight. Yeah, this is weird.
1: <laughs> it's a lot more scary being on this side than
0: the It is, right? As if you're leading the conversation, you've got the questions in front of you, you know what you're going to say, but then when it's on the other shoes on the other foot, you're like, "Oh, no." <laughs> yeah. But I'm excited that you're on the podcast. Would you share a little bit about yourself and your family before we jump into your story, Jenna?
1: Yeah, I am Jenna Erlinson. I have the podcast Bridge of the Faithful. Um, I am newly a pastor's wife. He started, I guess it's been two years now, but then he started and then our pastor went on sabbatical and so that like threw him in and then all of the sudden we were in quarantine for a year. <laughs> and mm. So It like it still feels new because it's still completely new stuff every time. But yeah, so we started that journey. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have three kids. My oldest is Eli. He's seven. He's got some special needs. I've got a five-year-old Isaiah who's obsessed with dinosaurs. And he's like an old man in a little kid's body. It's really I <laughs> <laughs> love it. And then I've got Leonore. She's two and she is the scariest of my three children. She is fearless and spunky and um Like tomboy, but still loves girl things. It's really fun. I never had sisters. I only had brothers. I don't know what to do with a girl. She's the first girl in 60 years in my husband's family. So, oh my goodness, we're all just like, what? What is this? Like, what do we (laughs) do with this? And then uh, we just found out about surprise number four that we were not not planning on, but um, God definitely is answering my prayer for children. We'll just go (laughs) in
0: and a lot of them. Yeah, oh, I love it. Oh, and you know something about the those third kids? I always hear it's those third ones that are just like spunky and just feisty, and you got to watch the third ones. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think because because by the third one, you don't watch them
1: as much <laughs> as you do the first two. You, they oh. kind of learn to be more independent, and <laughs> and then she's got to protect herself from her big brothers who are obsessed with her. They adore her, but
0: uh, uh-huh. they also
1: pick on her. So she's kind of like. Got yeah.
0: the
1: whole thing going.
0: <laughs> I say that, but I'm an only child. So I got nothing when it comes to siblings. You know, I just don't. My husband's an only child. We have an only child. It's just, that's just kind of where we are. But I can imagine, I hear that the third kiddos are are real spunky. So there you go. She's following suit. Yes. <laughs> Well, I'm so excited to have you on. Um, we found each other on Instagram, as everyone does these days, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I dug a little deeper, which earlier we were talking about, like air quotes, stalking. Um, <laughs> and I dug into your blog, and you talked about your infertility struggle and. It was totally like God just led me to you and your story. I'm doing a series on infertility. And I um I really had a connection with you through your story. So I want to go ahead and jump in and ask questions about it and and hear what God did in your life and what he's continuing to do in your life through the abundance of children that you prayed for. <laughs> <laughs> and so um I do want to start off. This was this was really interesting. When I started reading your blog, I saw that you had a journal entry. You were journaling about, um, I guess it was the beginning of your infertility journal. Uh, I mean, infertility story. And you talked about your journal entry on January the 2nd, Mm -hmm. 2013. And it was, of course, it just struck me because the next day I would be going into labor with my child who we were told not that we weren't going to have, uh, the ability to have biological children and so it's just it reminded me of how personal the lord is and how when you were starting to journal about the struggles of infertility that the next day i was going into labor after having all those struggles for years before so it just it just struck me of how personal god is um, through your journey through my journey through through all of Of our journeys. And so I just thought that was so sweet of the Lord to do that. So tell me, tell me this. So when you were going through infertility, tell me a little bit, I read in your blog as well, that you said infertility is filled with shame, pain, and like walking through an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. And whoa, I was like, yes, that's it. Tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that.
1: I think there's – first of all, I love that you're doing a series on this because it's just not something women feel comfortable talking about. But when you put it out there to remind them that they're not alone, and I think – I forget what the statistic is, but it's a lot higher than I thought it was originally of the women that go through infertility. So for anyone listening that is, you're not alone. Uh, I'm sorry that people are afraid to talk about it, um, but we're not. So um, there's Mm -hmm. so many resources that Ren has come in with her series. And I actually have a series too, if you want to go back and look at those. And um, you're you're just not alone. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that i really struggled with is satan wants you to think you're alone when you're doing this kind of stuff he wants those lies in your head and he's going to feed them and make you feel inferior and it's it's a spiritual battle as you go through infertility Uh, i'm sure we'll talk about this later but i i do not regret it at all and god used it in such great ways but um that definitely at least at the beginning part i struggled with a lot of shame in the sense that uh, you know i'm a nurse so there's a lot of you know i understand the biology of it and and how all of that works and i'm sitting here thinking god you made me a woman and you made me with these parts and they're not working the way i know you designed or wanted and so Mm -hmm. part of it was feeling like a failure in that sense of you know what am i doing wrong that's making this not work did i um is it something I did or I had other health issues? Is it related to that? Did I make a wrong choice? You know, I'm one of those people who has to think through every single thing and figure out what's causing this. Um, so there's that. And then I had always the people saying, oh, when are you going to have kids? And then you have to tell them we're trying. Mm. <laughs> like, and then people don't know how to respond. And then for me, I don't know, if you know much about the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram too. So I don't like making people feel uncomfortable. And Mm. then, you know, so like then I'm like, okay, I don't want to make you feel bad, but you just totally hit a spot, you know? And Mm. um, I just, I didn't feel pressured from family. Like there weren't the the mothers or mother-in-law saying, when are you going to give us a grandchild or anything like that? That's a whole other painful issue that I know a lot of people go through. Mm. But, you know, there's just these, I had these expectations of myself, And I wasn't meeting them. And then I had Satan feeding lies of it's because you're not good enough or it's because you made a mistake. And then comparison trap of seeing, you know, other people who have been married not as long as you having children. Or um, the pride issue of, hey, we're in a really good financial state. Why can't we have kids when they are struggling and they're having a baby? You know, like all Mm. these horrible, horrible Thoughts in my head that I had to work through. And I, it was good that I worked through them too. It was God kind of showing all these different aspects in my life like, hey, you need to work on these. Let's do it together. And this is kind of the avenue He used to slowly and gently and carefully break my heart to reshape it into what He wanted it
0: to become. And I, you probably feel this way too. I felt like. That I was, you were talking about like your bodies not doing what they were created to do. Like I felt like the burden of that for my husband because it was me. It was something that was wrong with me. Yeah, I mean I know that there's, um, you know, infertility issues with b- both the husband and wife, but it was unexplained. But it was, you know, it always pointed to me. It was like, well, your eggs aren't whatever, you know. And I just had that burden. I don't know if you felt that way too, of just of uh, of you know sadness and grief for my husband as well.
1: I definitely did. Uh, but we had both been told it might be hard for us mm. to have kids. So it wasn't and, – and honestly, obviously, it's not an issue anymore. But um, <laughs> right. we think it was just a doctor whatever for my husband. There's obviously nothing wrong with him. But uh, for me, it was it was definitely a hormone issue that we couldn't figure out. And, and mm. there was definitely a lot of – I feel like I'm not living up to – what you had hoped. But since it was something we went into marriage knowing it might be an issue, there wasn't um, – it was something we'd already talked about and came into marriage knowing. So it wasn't like Mm. a surprise or
0: painful in that way. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, and I also read that you said that, you know, you dealt with the shame, the pain, but then you said to encourage us that infertility is never the end of the story. So tell me, how can we – that we're walking through this or walking through another valley. How can we not let it be the end of the story? So there's one caveat I want to say. I'm not saying that if
1: you're going through infertility that you will have a child someday. That's not what I mean by that's not the end of the story. Um, But what I mean is is that valley that you're in is not where God's going to leave you. And I've learned a lot about God as I've tried to understand what faithfulness means. And I see part of his character as, you know, he's the author of our stories. And when you read a really great novel, they're not going to leave their main character in the middle of turmoil and say, that's the end of the story, you know, unless it's it's some like macabre Russian author, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> sometimes I do do that. But normal <laughs> novels, you know, they, they put their heroin or whatever through the trial but it's to lead to something at the end the 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 pinnacle of the story whatever it is that they're trying to get to that god never leaves us in sad god never leaves us in grief he always brings beauty from ashes, and he always has an ending in sight. And so one of the biggest things that I've learned is that you have to learn to trust God's faithfulness because he always keeps his promises, Mm. even though it doesn't feel like it in the waiting period.
0: Mm. That's good. And I want to go back to your story when you were walking through before you had any children. What did that look like for you when you uh, were walking through infertility, the primary infertility? Like, how did i cope with it well and just the details of it like when you were wanting to have a baby but then um you know just right before you found out you were pregnant what was going through your mind what were you walking through at that point point? and how long had it been
1: so it was a three-year journey of when we started to officially try and um so right before we started trying my sister-in-law had actually had two miscarriages. So mm-hmm. we decided to wait to try until after she had a successful pregnancy because we wanted to we knew that would have had to been painful and we wanted to give her some time. And so she had our nephew Noah and um so we decided okay it's time to start trying and um for me it was I was on birth control because of some medication I was on for kidney stones because mm. great awesome things kidney stones but <laughs> But i I grew I'm out of it, you know, I was seven when I got them, and then it grew out of it, which was mm. good. So I was off those meds. We stopped the birth control, and then nothing happened like I didn't have any cycles. Everything was just totally messed up. And mm. so it was this journey of figuring out, okay, okay, you know, let's give it some time. okay, no, that's not it. All right, let's, you know, first, it was just that waiting, and I'm, a decently patient person so you know it was okay for the first maybe eight months and then I started thinking okay this is this is wrong and then we saw a I just it was my normal yearly checkup and they're like let's just get an ultrasound and see and so they looked and things looked okay they couldn't figure out what was wrong. They're like, maybe some cysts, but not really anything major. And, and the doctor actually said, that's the most beautiful uterus I've ever seen.
0: (laughs) Oh, thank you so much.
1: (laughs) You know, and, but uh, they just could tell that there was something off, but they couldn't Mm. tell what it was. And it's funny because I somehow had stashed the bill for that ultrasound and Two weeks before I had my oldest, I found it again. And it was almost exactly three years to the day that wow. so it was kind of like a little weird reminder. as we were cleaning out the the room to make it a nursery, I found the bill for wow. and that was like I, I and it was kind of an interesting thing to to think about. I had to pay someone to tell me that I can't have children. You know, it was just like Mm -hmm. all of these different things. Like I'm paying people for bad news. This is not what I want. And um, so it kind of, it started off, okay, I can wait to, okay, this is starting to get weird. All right. Now what's starting to get wrong? And then it started to fester. So for me, it was a very slow process of, okay, okay. All right. This is getting weird. Now I'm gonna obsess about it and think about it too much. Okay, now I'm not getting what I want. And I'm gonna start looking around and seeing at who is getting what I want and why are they getting it and not me. And mm-hmm. it turned into this big whirlwind to the point where I was just a mess. I was feeling less than. I was comparing myself to everyone. I was hurt by every single Facebook announcement or friend asking me when I could have or when I was gonna have my first kid. So it was becoming like hyper reactive to the pain. Kind of like, you know, when you have a wound and someone touches it like barely and it hurts, you know, it was, I was realizing that it was not, you know, that happens when things get infected is when it Mm -hmm. becomes so painful that barely brushing it can be that painful. So that's finally when I realized, okay, I need to get this in check or this infection is going to spread to worse things. Um, It was affecting my relationships it was affecting a lot of different things. So I was noticing the infection and sorry, the nurse is correlating all of these (laughs) different, but that's kind of how I I see things is okay. I was like, this is starting to affect other Mm -hmm. things that should not be affected. They're not connected unless there's an infection, there's something going on. So finally, that journal entry that you were talking about January of 2013 was when I finally said, okay, you know what, God, I'm just I'm done. You know, I'm a very independent person. I am, I would say, moder- moderately intelligent. You know, <laughs> you know like I, I can I can get by. I'm a, an achiever. That's one thing that I just do. I'm just really good at getting things done. And it was getting to the point where, you know what, my abilities can't do anything more. I can't randomly make my ovaries start working. I can't do anything more. And that's when I finally gave it to God was – Okay, you know, three mm. years later, you would think it would take me a mm. little less time than that. But um, that's that's when I gave it to God. And that's when things really started changing in my heart. And that's not saying mm. that because I gave it to God was when he finally was willing to give me a baby, because that's not what I'm saying. I'm not telling you that you need to give it to God and he's going to give you that baby. But when you yeah. give it to God, he's going to give you what you need and he's going to give you that next part of your story. And you are going to, I promise, when you get to that point, you will be thankful whatever the ending is, because it's going to be exactly what God made you for, and it's going to be beautiful.
0: Hmm. That's beautiful, because uh, I was going to ask you, you know, the t- the time when God just took a hold of your heart um, was that time, and, and what did He teach you about Himself during that time, when you got to that point of just surrender to the Lord? So this... The next
1: six months were kind of a crazy, story, crazy story of, of that from when I gave it up to God to when we found out we were pregnant. Um, it was a six-month period. Uh, God led me to a doctor to help me. I decided I wanted to figure out what was wrong with my body, not to force pregnancy, but. Um, but if it caused pregnancy, that'd be great. But to just figure out, okay, I didn't feel right. I didn't feel good. I, besides the fact that I was spiritually sick, there was definitely something physically wrong. So God led me to a fertility endocrinologist so that he, I wanted him because I wanted to see there's obviously something wrong with my hormones. Let's figure this out. Let's get healthy. Whether that means a baby or not, let's get healthy on all parts of my body. So mm-hmm. um, I decided to start exercising more. I decided to eat better. I decided to see an endocrinologist and figure out what was going on with my hormones. I decided to deal spiritually. So there was all of this health that was finally coming back into my life. Mm-hmm. And um, so he put me on some medications to help maybe figure out what was going on. I started running, which is apparently my magic pill um, for weight loss and all of that stuff. Um wow. And then in May of 2013, uh, we knew that God was doing something big in our lives. My husband had just finished getting his degree in computer animation. His first degree was in youth ministry and then it was in computer animation. (laughs) Um, And when we live in Ohio, and when you live in Ohio, there's no computer animation jobs in Ohio. You got to pick either New York, Florida, or California if you want to get a job. So we're Mm -hmm. like, okay, God, we know that you have something coming, um, which we realized now. You know, seven years later, it's it's a pastor job. It's not even computer animation, but this was kind of the mm-hmm. catalyst of what kind of led toward that, which is a whole other really cool story. But um, we decided to go visit my brother who lives in LA. So I remember sitting in the airplane or the terminal, the airport. There we go, the airport terminal, and um, we just sat down and we prayed. God, we know that. You have something for our family, that something big is coming, that you're preparing us for something. Can you make it abundantly clear while we're on this trip what our next step is? And we thought, okay, our next step would be to move to California. I'm a nurse. We can move. I can get a job wherever. And we got to California. And within hours of landing there, my husband got a phone call that his job was suddenly gone. Like, he had no idea this was coming. and. His job was gone. So like, God, that was way more abundantly clear than we did ask you to make it abundantly clear mm-hmm. if it was time mm-hmm. to leave this job. And so God said, I'm mm-hmm. just going to take all the questions out and boom, it's gone.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: wow. So then we went into this tailspin of like, okay, what, what do we do? And so we were starting to plan like, okay, do we just move out there? Like now we have nothing attached or whatever. And two weeks later, we found out we were nine weeks pregnant. Wow. <laughs> so wow. it was just like, a, okay, well, we're not moving to California now because we're not moving far away from everything we know when we're about to have a baby. So yeah. um, I went full time, we got insurance and and God actually, all of these really cool situations where um, my husband's insurance ran out the day before my insurance picked up and all of these wow. really cool things. But the biggest mm. thing that we learned from all of that, and it was I know this sounds weird, but it was almost a peaceful, comforting thing to me was when I sat down and thought, okay, God, why did you pick this time for us to have a baby? And it was almost like he, it wasn't, you know, like God didn't sing down to me the words of this, but it was almost like he put this thought in my head. I picked a time when you lost all of those things you said were why you should have a baby. So we lost our financial stability. We lost our, you know, it's not that we lost our marital strength, but, you know, when there's a job loss, there's a whole other identity crisis going on. So two people in the middle of an identity crisis, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. all of these different things that I had compared and said, God, why we have all this? Why won't you give us a baby? He said, because I want you to know that I'm the one that provides for your baby. I'm the one that provides for your family, not you, not anything that you could do. Not anything that you put your pride in is what's going to make you be able to care for this child that I'm giving you. I am doing this to prove to you that I'm the one that's taking care of all of you. And so it was kind of this really cool moment, that piece that goes beyond any understanding of God saying, it's because I've got this and I want you to know fully that I've got this before you get into this journey
0: Mm. of parenting. God's got this. That's what I heard you say. God's got this, and the peace that He gives you, and that He gave both of you. Wow, what an amazing story of um, just the six months after that you surrendered to the Lord with your, you know, fertility, and then of all the things that He did with jobs, and I can see that, you know, identity because. Um, with identity crisis and and jobs and fertility and all the things. Wow, um, yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, so I know you've studied some women in the Bible that have been in that were infertile. So tell me what who is your favorite that you like to study in the Bible about infertility? That
1: was such a hard question. And there's <laughs> definitely two that I really struggle with deciding between because um, I'll just give a little blurb about one with um, Leah and Rachel mm-hmm. with their story. I I loved seeing how the names of their children changed as their hearts changed oh, as yes. God worked for them. So that's kind of same for me. You know, I resonated with that as like seeing as their hearts changed Things happen and and their names of their children changed. And so I love that. But Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. think the one that really stood out to me the most and was the most poignant was – we don't even know her name, but the woman that made the room for Elisha. And when he wanted to give her a gift, she said, don't give me anything. And she never even asked for the baby. And then he – told her that that's what he was going to have God give her. And she, you know, it was almost like she didn't even want to ask for it because the hope of that was so painful. And then when the child died, she's like, I didn't even ask for this. Why, mm. why am I having to go through this pain when I didn't even ask for this? And, and just seeing how her faith and her pain had this like war going on in there. Um, just watching her as she battled through her trust in God, but also trying to understand the pain of what was going on and, and struggling to hope because hope is painful. And so that really made me sit down and think like, hope is painful. <laughs> but, you know, if we fight through and we realize that our faith is in a God who keeps His promises, then we know who to go to during those times of pain. And so there was a lot of that in that story um, that I still am working through, actually. But that's really been probably the most
0: poignant story of all of them for me. Mm. I didn't expect that. And so I love that. And I've been starting to read uh, chronologically through the Bible this year. We started January. And Wow. Has it ever opened my eyes to things, not just their stories, but, or what they did, but how God's faithfulness is throughout scripture, mm-hmm. like the whole, the whole scripture. And so I love how you said when faith and pain are at war. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. That's interesting. Um, and that can be for anybody walking through anything, infertility or job loss or um, marriage problems or a wayward child or anything. I mean, that, yeah, it's, the, it's that war between the faith um, and pain. And we can see that in that story and many others. Wow. That's incredible. Okay, so 3 children later and now soon 4. Um what do you know now <laughs> that you didn't know then?
1: I think the biggest thing is that I didn't know what I was asking for. You know, it's just understanding that God's timing is just his timing and that we need to mm-hmm. trust that. Like especially my oldest is special needs and that's had its own you know, its own pain, its own grief, um, its own identity crisis, learning that motherhood is not my identity just as much as infertility is not my identity. So that's one thing I've definitely learned. And, you know – I was actually I was interviewing Michael Card for my podcast that and that episode just came out last week and his, one of his quotes that I loved from this whole thing because he had talked about how he never wanted to be a singer songwriter he wanted to be a Bible professor and a theologian and the smart guy that comes to whatever and he said God always gives you what you should have asked for not what you asked for um, so I've learned a lot of that you know looking through. And, and trying to change my per- perspective of, you know, I should have asked for this because that means God's working on something. I should have asked for God to work on this, even though it's not the situation I wanted it to be. Infertility was not the situation I wanted it to be. Having a special needs child has its own issues of guilt and pain and shame, and it's not what I <laughs> asked for when I asked for children. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying I regret having a special needs son that's not what I mean but there's right. always something that when we're asking for something uh, we don't we don't know what we're asking for but God does and he knows his timing and how to prepare us exactly for what he's got planned for us and he always yeah. give us what
0: what we should have asked for. That's good. I was going to say, and he gives us that peace yeah. Like that is totally under, like you can't explain it. Like it only comes from him. Yes, there's hard days, but just that peace that note that he's in control. Like, Lord, you you overrule <laughs> where we try to rule, you overrule, you know, he does. And so, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I remember listening to Michael Card like years ago, uh, growing up, I remember a song, um, that his name was on a cassette, if that, you know, yes. dates me yep. at all, right? <laughs> that was my
1: first introduction to him, too. Okay, okay. I was thinking, okay, that's that's totally
0: me. But Okay, so what would you encourage a woman with today? If she's walking through infertility or if she's walking through something else that is a valley in her life, what would you say to her? The thing I found... That has been the
1: most helpful for me
0: in any situation that's
1: hard. Uh, As I deal with my, you know, I'm an oncology nurse. I see patients that are dealing with hard things all the time. Um, I Infertility, cancer, uh, marital issues, anything that you were talking about, any of those things, those are never the end of the story. That all fits there because we can look back. And this is why I think I really love looking at the Old Testament. We know we can trust God in the future because we can see what he's done in our past. And so my, my issues with infertility keep me strong as I deal with my issues with parenting and, or marriage issues or anything. When I can look back and I recount and I make sure that I do things like this, whether it's an interview or just me jotting down, God, you were faithful in XYZ time. And so I know I can trust you in this hard time now. And that's what I'm going to tell anyone who's dealing with anything hard. I want you to sit back and remember. I want you to get those, you know, those Ebenezer stones, and sit down and think. Okay, God, when I asked for this, or when I prayed for this, or when you did this with me, when you were faithful in my life in the past, that's your way of proving to me that you are faithful to me now.
0: That's beautiful, and that's true. It's true, and that's what it 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 does. And I think that. Man, I've learned that so much through studying the Old Testament, even recently of the faithfulness. And then we can look at those journals, you know, that journal that you were writing on January 2nd, 2013, Mm -hmm. about just giving your fertility to the Lord and how you can look back at that and say, God, you worked in that, not in just giving me children, but you worked in my heart through that to show me more of yourself. Mm -hmm. And then now, you know, the things that you're going through now, um, And anyone is going through now, we can look back and see the faithfulness of God. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's beautiful. Um, Wow. Thank you so much. Can you you tell everybody where they can find you on your podcast and where they can find you online?
1: Yeah, you can. Whatever podcast app you listen to, you can find it as Bridge of the Faithful or you can find it on my website, botfpodcast.com. And then I try to keep everything the same, so I don't have to um, try to memorize everything. So I'm I'm on Instagram at botf podcast, and I'm on Facebook at botf podcast. If you like recipes and all that fun stuff, you can find my personal Facebook page. Um, yeah. That's Jenna Erlinson, and I'm sure that I don't know if you will have on show notes or whatever, but um, yes, yes, I will put
0: it all there. I
1: do different random stuff on my personal stuff, um, but. Yeah, that's where you can find me. And if if for any reason you want to reach out and talk about finding resources or support or anything
0: like that through your infertility journey,
1: you can email me Jenna at botfpodcast.com.
0: Perfect. I will put all that in the show notes and link everything so everybody can find you and find that other infertility series that you have done. Um, and so I just thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story and being on the other side. Uh, of the mic today. Thanks for having me. It's it's funny how God
1: always makes these timings. Like I'm going through a really rough time right now, mm-hmm. just dealing with some other things. And then when G- God always has perfect timing with these interviews, we had to reschedule because of my mic being MIA. <laughs> and, um, you know, just I needed this conversation today in general, just to, mm-hmm. to talk about how God's been faithful in
0: my life. And so this was just as much a blessing to me. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Amen. I love that. Okay. So I do want to end with the three fun questions that I ask every guest that comes on the Friends of a Feather podcast. And of course, it's kind of selfish because I want to know, I'm nosy. I want to know what people are eating, what they're reading and what they're loving. So it's your turn. What are you eating, reading, loving? Um,
1: Eating is not really fun right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's okay. Like normally I'd be like, I'm trying out this new recipe, or yeah. um, I I'd love to cook and I love to bake. I love chocolate. Okay. I can't stand chocolate right now, which is so sad.
0: Um, um but how many weeks are you along? Twelve. You, okay. So you're right, still in that yeah, nauseous. Yeah, yeah. like you don't want anything. No, oh, I'm sorry.
1: But the thing that has has helped me survive is pretzel uh-huh. rolls. <laughs>
0: Oh, like you make them at home or you go buy them?
1: Um, I normally make them, but we're in the middle of a huge kitchen renovation right now. So I have no kitchen to do anything. Sure. Because you're, I mean, you don't have anything else going on. No, it's fine. This is, this is, this is. Yeah. We weren't planning all of these things to collide at the same time, but actually we joke that this is a great time to not have a kitchen because I have not felt like cooking. And so yeah, I not have to feel true. guilty about it at all. <laughs> that's right. uh, so that's, that's been awesome. good. But yeah, my, my mother-in-law made some and I had them in my freezer. And so they're basically uh, soft pretzels, but they're in a roll. So you can, I've used them for making sandwiches with fish sticks or today I made grilled cheese or, you know, just needing toast or something, but it just Uh adds a little more flavor than just plain toast. So I've been surviving on pretzel rolls.
0: Pretzel rolls. Okay. Can we go to your website and find
1: Um, (laughs) the recipe? You know, I I can totally make that happen or I can put it, I'll put it on Instagram and then. um,
0: Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Okay. I'll forward everybody to your Instagram. (laughs) Sounds good. Because I know somebody's going to ask. So. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So that's what you're eating. They sound delicious. Yes. Um, what are you reading?
1: I am currently reading. Well, I, I'm. I do audiobooks because um, I don't have yeah. time to like sit and read anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my the audiobook I'm listening to right now is The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom.
0: Wow, I've been encouraged to read that again. I read it in fifth grade, yeah. and how? I mean, have you read it as a kid and then now reading it as an adult? This is actually my it- fourth time reading it. Okay. Okay. So is it something you do like yearly or like every couple I'd, years? I'd
1: say it's probably average to about every five years. And okay, it was okay. so pivotal into my um faith as a kid. And just mm-hmm. it was my first time seeing, okay, you know, the Bible is really relevant and real. But when mm-hmm. um you see someone live it out through their own perspective when she's she's honest about the stuff that she struggled with, but also talks about all the amazing Things of the faithfulness of God, and um, she just seems so brave to me. When I I also read it in fifth grade for the first time with my mom, actually yeah. uh, she read it mm-hmm. to me. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's just been a really special book to me. And I I started rereading it now because I feel like times are changing, and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily know how to respond to them with mm-hmm. everything going on, uh, you know, pandemic and the world's changing, the climate of culture is changing, all of that. Not all of it's bad, but. It's changing and I don't know how to respond. And so seeing someone who didn't know how to respond to something they had never seen before and just knowing, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to trust God and follow what God's heart is and you can't go wrong whether my circumstances Mm -hmm. around me are good or bad. I know I'm right where God wants me to be. And it kind of gives me courage to keep going in those things. So I, I try to read it. Basically when I forget a lot of the story is when I'll re- reread it so that it mm. kind of freshens it in my mind just to kind of help give me that little boost of of encouragement.
0: Yeah, yeah, to put courage back in. Yeah. That sounds good. I'm going to have to pick it up because I uh, I remember how it important of a book it was. So, I'm going to I'm going to do that. Okay, what are you loving? I am loving my ninja foodie. <laughs> <gasps> Ooh, is it like a blender? What is it? No, a it's foodie? it's a um
1: It's an instant pot and air fryer.
0: In one? Yeah. Uh -uh, It's also a crock pot.
1: Yeah. So, like, I can saute things in there. I can, I learned how to warm up mashed potatoes. (laughs) Like, (gasps) you can warm up because I don't have, well, I do now, but I didn't have a microwave for like a month. I didn't have a stove. Uh I didn't have an oven. Uh I didn't have a microwave. So, I had to figure out how uh to do all of this stuff. So, I have been surviving with my instant pot and air fryer.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Because you don't have a kitchen. Yep. You don't have a stove. <gasps> okay. Is this what you share on your uh, personal Facebook about all these recipes and stuff? Yeah. So
1: um, when I get my kitchen back and I'm not, you know, in the morning sickness stage, I actually yeah. plan out like weekly meal plans that I post every Sunday with recipes oh, yes. too. So okay. it helps okay. inspire people who need help with dinner ideas or people to just want to have it all planned out for them or whatever. I'll post that kind of okay. stuff there.
0: All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go look because I definitely need some inspiration and in doing some different things. I think so the last I one I did, the
1: last one I did was in
0: January. So if you go back a little bit, I okay. can find I'll it. go back. Yeah. I'll go back. I'll go back. I'll find you. Oh my goodness. This is great. Okay. These were great. These were so interesting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. So, um, y'all go follow Jenna, listen to her podcast. And um, man, I just thank you so much for giving me time. I know you're busy gal, but you know, it's, it's like you said that God just ordained our time together mm-hmm. tonight where we could um, just talk about his faithfulness and meet a new friend that we've been friends on but now get to get to talk and have a little deep conversation about uh, God's faithfulness. And so I just really appreciate you, Jenna, coming on the podcast to share tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me for today's show. For more encouragement, hop on over to Instagram at Friends of a Feather Podcast. I would love for you to send me a direct message and say hi. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Remember, we are all Friends of a Feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.